0: Welcome to the Big Eat Big Live episode number three, our third week here. Obviously, we have myself, James DeLacy, we have Cole Wolfe, and we have Mona DeLacy, or we can say Mona Pretorius if you want to look up her athletic accomplishments. Obviously, we've got some good athletes and coaches in this room. CrossFit Games athletes, Commonwealth medals, some weightlifting, two-times World Strongest Man competitor, all sorts of stuff going on. But today we will be discussing a few different topics. We're going to start with some more fitness-related stuff, talking about periodization, so essentially the organization organization of training. And then we're going to go into, for the weekend, the preview of the European Weightlifting Championships coming up starting tomorrow. I know Mona's very excited about that. And also the World Strongest Man is around the corner as well, so Colin being an ex-competitor. At the world's strongest man will have some insight for us going into that but let's start with our per- periodization topic so let me just define it quickly for anyone listening so periodization essentially is just the organization or the planning of training essentially anything where you have a plan and what you're doing regardless of whatever your goal is is considered periodization it doesn't have to be a fancy structure um i know col i know you have an interest in this too as well uh, within, I guess, some of the different things you've listened to and read you, and maybe dive into a little bit of your thoughts around periodization and maybe how you used it or how you use it within strongman training. Yep. Periodization is definitely something I'm
1: pretty into. Um, and for myself, sorry.
0: Can that? Yep. Yeah, but it's all good. Yeah. Oh, right, do you want me to, I'll carry on while you go, uh, while you go softer here so with periodization you have a lot of different forms of periodization so i think most people will be familiar with what's called block periodization which is essentially prioritizing or training one quality for a certain for a training cycle and then moving in a phasic manner through so for example you might start with hypertrophy or muscle building phase and then you'll go into a strength phase and then you might go into a power phase and each of those phases may be six eight twelve weeks long or longer and that's just that's seen as kind of that seems to be the stock standard way that people get into periodization is into that block periodization but block periodization has many many problems uh within i guess most sports i would not recommend doing block periodization um then outside of that you've got just your basic linear periodization undulating periodization which is just essentially progressive overload really if you think about it that way Um, and then you've obviously got conjugate which is i guess most popular by west side who has their own version of it essentially conjugate is just training all qualities at once kind of like a vertical integration approach within uh, i guess a training uh, cycle training week or training day Um, but do you want to maybe carry on with a little bit of your periodization there and we'll and we'll come back to that
1: Yeah. So ultimately I think with periodization, um, like James was saying, the block periodization has got a few limitations and I think what I see a lot of people fall into is, um, just following it a little bit too much by the book. So with a lot of the periodization models, it's almost like they're made in the assumption, the person you're training is just a robot. Like there's no, Mm. like say block periodization, you do like, let's say you go strength or you got hypertrophy, strength, power block. Um, Everything goes super smoothly, and you just follow it all to the T. Um, I think in reality, a lot of coaches nowadays, um, myself included, would use, you kind of use a little bit of all of them, in the sense that I would, let's say I'm training someone for strongman who needs to put on muscle mass. We might do a, I would still call it a hypertrophy block, just for simplicity's sake. But it's not a traditional, if you look at some of the older textbooks, um, they'll have a very specific, it'll probably be something like 8 to 12 reps. Um, You'll do it for 4 to 6 weeks, and it's just a certain style of exercise. You probably, depending on the sport, like a lot of the times they don't really take into account the sport. So if you follow that specifically in the context of strongman, and basically just do bodybuilding training, right? When you go back to doing your strongman training, because you haven't done any strongman stuff for four to six weeks, you do, there's a detraining effect on those things that you haven't trained. So I think the reality nowadays is you need to um, just make sure you're prioritizing what is important for the sport. So for example, in strongman, even though it's technically a hypertrophy block, we're not, um, I would still have people do carries, I would still have people do overhead lifts, but they are gonna be light enough that it's not gonna um, take away from the hypertrophy training. And if you add it up in terms of volume, the majority of the volume would still be towards hypertrophy training, but we're doing enough to maintain those other qualities. Um, that's ultimately how I like to view things, but if, yeah. like it gets very like mixed up. There's so many factors um so like if again with strongman using that as an example because there is so many different things that you want to take into account you could even like um you could depending on what kind of lens you're looking at it through you could label it more of a conjugate periodization model because you're training multiple qualities at once um so i think like i'm curious what your guys thoughts are but i feel like overall everything kind of like you need to be aware of everything and you're kind of taking it all into account and remaining flexible at all times so something um that i quite liked that um oh sorry i forget the guy's name you just had him on the uh periodization john Filey. john Filey. that's the one uh, so yep. you can check out sweet science of fighting podcast if you guys haven't seen it but um i like the fact that like, he just mentioned if a coach has spent a large amount of time planning out let's say like a year-long block to quite a high amount of detail you're just naturally not going to want to like divert from that if you know Mm some coaches do do this i definitely did this earlier on in my career um you know you might sit down for a few hours plan everything out stringently something doesn't quite go right but you don't really want to divert from it because you've spent all this time um planning things out so I think that's a big trap that, um, even if you're training yourself, like I've also fallen into that, um, not just with training others, but for training, following a plan myself, as I think you need to always be aware, um, that you need to be flexible. Yeah. Um, life is so, uh, like diverse and changing all the time, like mental stress stuff with work, like you guys now as parents, um, that's gonna affect sleep and everything. So you need to be able to change on the fly. And um, I even think that even with, like, I think tracking data is fantastic. I like to do it. But, you know, if you look at things like heart rate variability and everything, um, I still think that's all, like, if you look at the whole, like, training plan as a whole, just be aware. Everything's good data, but you still need to be, as a coach, you still need to actually coach on the day, if that makes sense. So you shouldn't just um, stick to the actual plan if what, you're seeing in front of you is telling you something different.
0: Yeah. yeah. Before I go down the rabbit hole, I know, I know, Mona, you've around the flexibility side. You've had to be very flexible. You're, you're currently coaching a a national junior national champion in, in weightlifting junior, right? Uh, I yeah. hope I haven't got that wrong. You can correct me. Yeah. Yep. And so you've kind of coaching a and... national. <laughs> yeah. So a champion little weightlifter, just, um, yeah. but he's got a, a lot else going on. So you've had to be flexible too. Do you want to maybe dive into? what you've had to do there to keep him in peak shape
2: yes definitely and also i just wanted to also say i 100% agree what colm was saying about the flexibility of things um because there's so many things that play a role and you were spot on when you said you know like life happens stress happens you know um people might have you know relationship problems or things like that and they'll come into the gym and they just won't be performing um and those are things that as a coach you need to look at if you know, you want your athlete to perform at the end of the day. Otherwise, like you said, they're not robots um, and ultimately they will get injured. Now, when it comes to uh, periodization, now um, my way of how I used to be able to do it um, is also again, different to, it's no, there's no cookie cutter way of doing periodization, even for weightlifting. And for example, when it came to like competition cycles, I mean, it took many, many trial and errors And basically, even when I was working with my coach, we came to terms with, I'm one of those athletes who, for example, can go heavy up until very close to competition. Um, And that was when I would peak. If I go, if I went into a deload phase too quickly um, or too far away from the competition, ultimately when it came competition day, I would feel flat. Um, I would just, not feel myself. So I was just one of those athletes who could go pretty heavy um up until close to competition. But like James mentioned now, um I'm training one of the athletes who will now be um competing at nationals in um mid-June, beginning of July. And how I've worked this training has also changed over the years because he's come from many different sports as well. So even though he's been doing weightlifting for quite some time now with me. We've had to adjust quite a bit because, you know, sometimes he will do track and field. He would play basketball and basketball was actually one of his main sports that he was doing as well. Um, So when we started off with weightlifting, um, weightlifting used to basically be almost even though he still wanted to do really well in weightlifting, he ultimately did it to better his basketball. But now he is basically all in just weightlifting. um, And every now and again, he'll play some basketball and things like that. And again, those are things that we need to look at when planning his training program. And also what I wanted to add was that's why it's so important also when you work with a coach to tell your coach exactly, you don't have to go into all detail, but to have that good communication with your coach when it comes to things that's maybe going on in your life, maybe sports that you're doing. If you are maybe battling with niggles or injuries, because those are also things at the end of the day that will affect the training program and ultimately um, leading up to if you want to peak for a competition or something like that. And I'm a big believer in if an athlete is sick or they've got a niggle and you do take a little step back, it doesn't mean that they're not going to reach their goals at the end of the day. Um, Like what you're saying now, Colm, it, even with linear progression and stuff like that, taking a little step, step back, sometimes listening to the body and actually just honing in on that can actually end up making them perform even better at the end of the day, because sometimes those are just a little signs that the athletes are giving um, or their bodies are giving that you as the coach must look at um, to help them succeed at the end of the day. Now, when it comes to, for example, Eli's programming um, with regards now, especially up to nationals. Now, up until nationals now, um, I mean, there's many different cycles that you can look at. Like I know you guys mentioned like the hypertrophy and the strength and the power. Um, but even for weightlifting, like you can do different training cycles. So depending on how far they are from a competition, if they are very far from competitions, I always like starting off with just like some volume training, um, doing a block of volume training, um, and then depending on the athlete's strength or weaknesses, um, we'll go into strength cycles and that can even change. Like some athletes, you might do a squat cycle or with other athletes, you might do a pool cycle um, or you'll end up doing tempos or things like that, just depending on what the athlete needs in order to become better at what weaknesses they have. Um, And then obviously also then the accessories are things that are very important. So if they're very far from competition, we'll add in a lot of accessories working on things that, you know, if the athlete is, you know, maybe they need to do more uh, core strengthening work or pulling stuff or like single arm work or like single leg work, like Bulgarian split squats and those kind of things. So when it comes to close to competition, those are often the first things that we end up cutting out of the program and maybe we will just do uh, a very light percentage of it um just to make sure that when it comes to the classical lift those are the things that we ultimately want them to lift the best at um yeah so when it also with my competition cycles um especially now with eli we will often do and between an eight or a 12 block competition cycle Just depending on how frequently he's competing, Um, if a competition is really far away and we've done many training cycles, we will maybe do a longer approach and do a 12-week competition cycle. Um, If he competed, you know, not too long ago, then we'll just, you know, do some like basically uh, de training, getting his body healthy again, and then going up to, say, an eight-week competition cycle. And normally what we will do with our competition cycles as well is those are normally the times when you start to focus, like I said earlier, a bit more on the classical lifts. So for those that doesn't know, like your snatch and your clean and jerk. So your competition lifts, basically. Um, So if you were doing a lot of hang power snatches or block work or split jerk from racks and those kind of things, now's the time to start putting these lifts together because ultimately those are the things that you're going to be doing in competition. Um, and then, like I said, you will start to cut accessories. Um, and then also, for example, with Eli, if he's doing other sports like basketball or track and field, um, whatever he has to do for school, then I'll, you know, say to him, okay, we need to cut back on sport a bit. Um, otherwise we can't obviously train as heavy. So something's got to give at the end of the day, because in my mind, also the athlete, you have to look at the athlete as a whole, um, And I'm not there to break the athlete or have the athlete hate the sport by the time they reach senior level. Um, We always look at the big picture and, you know, I always say, let's play the long game. Um, And yeah, and then also other things that I end up doing when it comes to like my training blocks is, we would end up doing a lot heavier lift. We'll cut back a lot on volume. We'll cut back a lot on sets leading up to competitions. Um, And like I said, sometimes depending on the day that they will compete, we will have like a Friday heavy day or a Saturday heavy day um, just to basically get them ready for comp mode. Often those won't even be maxes, um, but just so they can start to feel a bit heavier load. But again, I don't want to push my athlete to be broken, um, so we won't do it too often. And if they start to um, recover slower, then we'll start to cut back on those kind of things, building up to the competition. And then ultimately, also what we do is, like for example, when it's competition week, um, we'll end up like the week before competition. We will do like the their start lifts, so whatever they are going to start in the snatch or in the clean and jerk, um, and then we'll just end up going lighter and lighter. A few days before competition, we'll just work on basically speed and technique. That's the time where you want to especially motivate the athlete. You want to make sure that, you know, you are not don't just look at the training side of things, but also the mindset stuff. Um, so really make sure that the athlete is going into the competition confident. Um, and again, that's why I always say, there has to be that good communication between the athlete and the coach so that they go into competition. You know, the coach knows what he expects of the athlete. The athlete knows what he's what's expected of him on competition day. And ultimately that's how I've always worked with most of my athletes. And that's also how I've seen the best results.
0: Yeah. That, that was, that was a long in-depth answer. That was good. And that's hopefully valuable for a lot of weightlifters and other strength sport um athletes out there but I think Mona nailed it when she mentioned as well about uh, being flexible and attacking weaknesses period Parad- was originally created within the Soviet Union and it was I I know you listened to it Colin but essentially what John was saying was around the separation between mind and body it was all about the body trying to predict adaptation to certain training and then creating cycles based on that. But there's no way in how you can predict how you respond and adapt to certain types of training. So you're basically assuming that your eight-week, whatever cycle is going to carry over to the following cycle. Um, And then you've got on top of that, um, most periodization structures were built around, uh, I guess you could say like throwing sports as well, Um, some weightlifting and things like that. But within throwing sports, you have a constant guide with, uh whether training is working or not because you're throwing all the time that's your measurement that's your uh, measuring stick that you have each uh training session so for example if you're throwing the shot pot or hammer and your distances are starting to decrease through training then you know hey something's not going right and you can change things obviously that's under the bondachuk methods if anyone's familiar with bondachuk um he is one of the leading soviet I guess periodization gurus you could say hammer throws coach he wrote transfer of training he's um, I guess most famous for his pyramid of exercise classification Uh, a colleague and friend of ours Martin Bingus have trained directly under him um and he's got some very good insights around that as well so yeah there's lots of different things going there but where periodization is now it's more plugging again plugging those weaknesses so if you can there's a couple of things you can do You can either go by feel. You probably know if you're fast, slow, need more conditioning, whatever that is. Uh, And that's what you maybe prioritize during that period. And as you uh, get through that cycle, then you might move on to the next thing. The other one is use it and test. Maybe you can do some kind of benchmark conditioning test or benchmark strength testing, and that can give you an idea as well. But I think what's really interesting is the idea, again, from, from Martin Bingus around uh, Bondachuk stuff there is it's, it's more, it's variety that really gives you that, uh, quick boost. It's that novel stimulus. I know Vladimir Isherin, the block periodization fella. He, uh, what no, a novel training stimulus is one of his three training, uh, what is it called? Training volume or training and int- training load parameters. So your volume, intensity, and novelty. And I think as we all know, when you do something new, you make mad gains really quickly. Um, and that's one of those things where if you're changing, but not changing too often, just that change, doesn't even no matter what audio doing it, doing it in is going to make improvements. So that's something to keep in mind as well regarding parasitism. I don't know if there's anything you guys wanted to add further, Colm, if there was anything there. Before getting back to the podcast, I want to let you know that down in the description, there's a link to the Lift Big, Eat Big Underground within that you get access to all our training programs online courses and into our private discord community where all three of us are in there to help you with whatever it is with your training Mm -hmm. regarding the programs we have mona who's done all of the weightlifting cycles we have colm who's done the strongman offseason and strongman competition programs then we have all the hallmark lift big training programs pump dragon flanks method and many more and I've also added muscle building specialization programs within that and are continually to update and add training programs into our app. You also get access to Mona's Weightlifting Mastery online course, and you get to join these calls live in the audience where you can ask members only question and answers at the end of each episode. So if that sounds like you, go down in the description, there's a link there to the Lift Your Big Underground, and that'll give you access to everything I just mentioned.
1: Realization, absolutely great to have a plan, um, but just be fluid with it. And remember yeah. that like, if you're trying to look for the best kind of periodization, if that thing existed, like everyone would do the exact same thing, <laughs> but like James has just mentioned, there's so many different kinds and everyone progresses with different kinds. Um, so don't be, yeah, just be fluid, even if you've got your plan. Um, but like Mona said, your knee starts hurting, it's totally fine to back off. You don't have to stick rigidly yeah. to that plan We're not robots.
0: Yeah. And the hardest thing as well, like you don't have like progress, isn't just adding more weight to the bar each week or always doing more each week. It can be doing the same, you can do the same thing two, three weeks in a row and then go yeah. add more weight, more reps or whatever. And that's something, I mean, I struggle with that all the time. I always want to do more, more weight, more reps or more sets each week, but you, you know, yeah. you can't, you can't do that as much as I want to. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could. Especially, that would Especially
2: be... now when you're over the age of 30.
0: Age, age is just a number. (laughs) You know that. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. No, I was gonna say everything. Everything does, um, you know, start hurting at some point if you've done sport for a really long time, Um, and even things to look at, like for example, if you are a youth level athlete compared to you know a senior level athlete compared to a masters level athlete um those kind of things will also all look different at the end of the day in order mm. to get the that you should
0: dictate piece. how much volume you can you can handle when you're young you can you can go nuts I, mean, I remember I used to like max out every session when I was younger yeah, at UT bro I would go in there I'll <laughs> max squat <laughs> and then I basically max deadlift and that was like and I'll just add 1.25 kilos every every week oh, no. bro it worked it worked yeah initially obviously <laughs> things okay. do.
2: And, but then, <laughs> yeah. did you end up breaking some world records there with that 1.25 that you added
0: <laughs> I ended up what I, I think I got to like a 145 kg squat and like a 180 deadlift at 74 kilos or something like that which isn't half bad for someone who's just out yeah, them. <laughs> but I mean I, it's, not, it's not all I did I did other things <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like I got do my progress as well and all the other stuff too. But yeah, that was what I that's what I used to do there. I'd go there and I'd just max out. That was that was the heavy lifting.
1: <laughs> Can I ask James, when yep. you've been working as an SNC coach, yeah. have you ever had it where you've got <laughs> like a plan and then the head coach just wants you to do something else? For example,
0: not yep. just smash the boys. Yep all the time yep you've had that all the time all the time man it depends you can get some good head coaches that like you actually plan things with and then things that you go to plan but like yeah outside of that um yeah i mean it's more so what the head coach does that ruins your plan more than what they want so they're like you'll have a session planned maybe it's like okay today's going to be a lighter day of training on the field and then the head coach just like goes nuts and then when the guys come to the gym then you're going to I'll, I'll remove things from the program based on the training yeah. that day or yesterday. Another easy telltale sign is um, is when you turn up to training and everyone's really quiet. <laughs> <So we laughs> take a few times, and then we basically change training on the spot, like on the spot. So that's on.
1: another basically another variable that's kept you being flexible. Eh?
0: Yeah, just and used to be on the spot. Like I'll have like a whole session planned, and then on the spot, just like change. And I, yeah. but like, as you do it long enough, you like, you have things up your sleeve, you know, that you can do during different times. So like, if that's happening, then we'll be like, okay, we'll start, we're just going to play games and we'll just play like small sided games and stuff like that and yeah. get the energy back. And then within the gym, we'll just be okay, I'm removing these things from the program. We're just doing this. We're doing less than this and things like that. Yeah. But I don't think the whole, like paradis- like the idea of periodization within that, I don't think is that important. Like. Yeah. Well, at least within team sports, because it's not a strength sport. So as long as you're getting in the gym and being consistent, you know, injured, you're going to be fine. You could literally, I, honestly, I believe you could do the same thing every week and just be yeah. like same weights, everything. I've seen it. I've seen it yeah. in the NRL guys. Like, um, you remember Michael Luck back in the day, the tackling machine uh, I know the, in name. the Warriors. I don't... He would make like 60 tackles oh, yeah, yeah. a game, like in, yeah. Insane. And then he'll just come and he'll just like half squat sixty kilos in the gym each week, and yeah. Then, but like I, I didn't even know if he could do much more. Like it's um, that just doesn't translate. It doesn't really matter. And it's just yeah, one yeah. of those. It's just one of those things where, got, where guys are stupidly strong within their sport. The gym is just there just to uh, to bring some kind of adaptation, but not to so much like improve performance. You don't have to push them uh, like crazy or something. Yeah. That. But we actually had a question here from. Like your client called no handstand. You're saying that's basically step loading, right? But I'm not sure what you are referring to, no handstand. So maybe you can clarify within the comments there on YouTube what you're referring to. But if there's nothing else, maybe we can move on to some previews. Um, Mona, I think you've got little Mia there. I don't know if she's being a little worm and anything there. Otherwise, we can start with the strongman stuff, depending. how, how How's Mia there?
2: Okay, I think we can do it. Like <laughs> We've got okay. like a few seconds. That's... Oh. <laughs>
0: Okay, let, let's dive into the European Championships. List. Starting tomorrow. Well, yes. when you, everyone listens to this, starting today.
2: <laughs> um, yes, that's Do true. To drive in the... um, and it mm-hmm. will be from, oh, it's going from the 15th. So it's going from Saturday up until, I think, next until Sunday. Until the following so Sunday. It, yeah, so I think it's running for eight days. So it's going to be eight days of jam packed seeing some of the strongest yeah. athletes well, in the world
0: you, you say jam packs yeah. but maybe we can we can allegedly talk about potential corruption we're only having one session in a day for a lot of days just to keep people in the hotel for longer for more oh. cash or at least that's that, that, that's that's my theory hopefully i don't get sued or something but that's my theory it's alleged i, <laughs> yeah, I, won't, it. I won't add to that but um yeah that
2: is, <laughs> that I, is I, my was, theory. I was i was yeah there's a lot of days it's got like i think there's one day or two days that might have one competition day and then the rest has two which is quite weird because you know weightlifting doesn't run all day normally it's like maximum three hours if that um like per category so you could have definitely have fit in like a bit more categories in a day um but yeah i'm not quite. maybe the officials wanted
0: some sightseeing time
2: uh, yeah i'm not sure the reasoning behind why it's eight <laughs> days long um but also one thing i did want to add is like if there's any weightlifters listening or you know people who are interested in the sport of weightlifting um so if if you ask you know where can they find the live stream i think the only stream is on weightlifting house and unfortunately you have to pay for it um that's the only downfall um that's been happening like the last, I think it's the last couple of years, they've been not live streaming this stuff and making it free anymore. So you have to actually pay to watch all of the events, which is quite sad because I mean, you do want weightlifting to grow at the end of the day. Um, I understand from weightlifting houses side of things. Um, but I know there's a lot of people who want to watch their family members lift and stuff, you know, but yeah, they have to pay to watch them lift. Um, and I think, like I said, the only stream comes from Weightlifting House. And, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some amazing athletes. Um You know, uh, also the the categories to like look out for are the ones that will also be in Paris 2024. So they again have changed the weight categories. Um, So for example, where the 64 class would have been one of my favorites to watch. um, It is now the 71 kg class. So the girls who were in the 64 had to either, if you want to qualify for Olympics, had to either move down to the 59s um or move up to the 71s which is quite a massive jump either way Um, that is big because when so last year when i competed at the new zealand international competition for um one of the qualifying events i my weight was 59 at the at the time but on my when i was at my best and i was competing internationally Um, my weight was always around. So I would compete under 63, which was then, and then it changed to 64. But my normal body weight would often be around 65, 66 around there, and then I'll cut back to my competition weight. But for an athlete now who normally competes at a 64, um, you know, you are lean at that weight. Um, You know, having to gain weight is extremely hard, like we were talking about, you know, the bulking last week. Um, so gaining weight is really hard, but then also cutting. So if you have to cut like six kgs, um, you know, often the first thing that tends to go is the leg strength, what you see in weightlifters. Um, so that's going to be really interesting. So I'm super interested, interested to see what's going to happen at this competition. Um, so look out for like the 59 kilogram class and the 71s for the females, which are one of my favorites. And also, I know, like for example, Romania is competing. Um, So, like Tomala Radana, um, who's the current uh, Olympic record holder as oh, world world record holder, holder. and um, competes. Yeah, she competes (laughs) in the seventy-one class, um, and her snatch is one hundred and nineteen kilograms as a seventy-one kg female athlete snatch. So her clean and jerk is like close to 140 um and then for the men um I know Colm we've spoken about him quite a bit Lasha so Lasha will be competing and Lasha also has his competitor I think he's from Armenia if I'm not mistaken so he's going to be going head to head (laughs) against Lasha so that's going to be super interesting to see um you know Lasha I think they might be on the very last day so they will probably be uh, next Sunday um, so, yeah, watch out for those categories. I know, I think in the men's 81s, um, the Bulgarian athlete um, that I was talking about, the the young athlete who, I can't remember if he either broke a world record or he won world champs. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Was he like 17 so, or something? Yeah, he's, he's super young. He, yeah, I think he's like 17 or 18, but he's going to be competing as well. I think they said at the world he ended up bombing. Um so I'm looking out to see, yeah, I'm, we're going to see some very close head-to-head uh, competitions, and it's going to be super in- interesting.
0: Any of your other um, British and Belgium and all those all those friends competing?
2: In this, yes, uh, yes. So, event? so even um, Emily Campbell, um, she's in the the super heavies for the woman. Um, so she's one to look out for. Uh, Sarah Davies, um, I'm not sure if she's, I think she's going to lift in the 71s as well. Then Maud, Maud is the Canadian who's the Olympic champion. Um, she, she's she gone down to the 59 kilogram class. Um, and then like... But she's competing in woman. Europeans? Who?
0: Maud. Maud. Yeah.
2: Yes. No, are they? No. they're Pan-American. No, they no. Did <laughs> no yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, sorry. Okay. Thank you for reminding me <laughs> yeah, that okay. right. Canada is not part of Europe. Skip that one. <laughs> yeah, skip that one. Okay, so, yeah, that was a blonde moment. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, someone like Zoe Smith will be competing and I know Zoe had, you know, some troubles at her last competition. She was just uh, battling some, you know, mental health. So, I'm very interested to see what she's going to be lifting. I think mm. she's going to, she's either going to be in the 59s or in the 64s, which will be very interesting. Um, And then men, I know in the inside the games, I read, um, for example, Bodhi Champ will be lifting. I'm not sure which category he's going to be lifting in. So looking out to see a big total from him. Um, I know at the last competition that he competed in, um, or is he lifting? No, I, I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure I saw on the inside the games, uh, <laughs> they spoke about Bodhi Champ and they spoke about him just weighing in at the last competition oh. and not actually lifting. So, yeah. But, we'll, we'll why, just... would, um,
0: why would any athletes lift in, say, the 64s or non-Olympic weight classes? Why, they all just gravitate to the Olympic weight classes?
2: Not if you just want a medal. So if you just want to go and no, okay. get – A medal or point for your team to, you know, win best team at the end of the day, then they will go and lift um, in the non Olympic weight classes. And then also if you think about it, if as the country, um, if you don't want, you can't have for example, four athletes from one country lifting. Um, I think there's a limit of two per country. So you have to spread them out. And like I said, also, if you put them in a category that you know this athlete will potentially not qualify for Olympics, but they will get a medal for their country, then you will obviously put them um, in that category. Mm.
0: And they changed Olympic qualification, right? So can you you compete in non-Olympic weight classes and take those points like you could last time?
2: That's a very good question. I know there was some controversy and I'm thinking that you – for the competitions that you need to qualify in, I think that you have to compete. And I think that was one of the things that a lot of athletes, yeah. that's why they actually ended up for these competitions that are Olympic qualifiers. They've already either dieted down to their weight class or they've gained the weight um, to compete at, you know, the next weight class.
0: Yeah. Because well, for anyone listening, Mona got done dirty by those previous, previous Olympic qualification rules. She would have qualified for the Olympics, <laughs> but... You could literally compete in a weight class below, or above, or any weight weight class, or whatever it is, and then take your points from those weight class directly transfer them to your weight class, like yeah, whatever
2: weight class you or you could them. just
0: like, or you just weigh in on that weight class. You don't even lift on that weight class, and you can take all your points to that weight class, like yeah, that like how I don't even know how you even come up with that rule. Yeah, so what
1: you could never lift in the actual weight class.
0: So last cycle you could be you could be say a fifty nine and you do all your competition at fifty nine, then you go to a competition, you just weigh in a sixty four and you take all those points from fifty nine to sixty four.
2: Yeah, or the fifty fives. Yeah. And also more, the way they did it, it, or they, way you do it. Yeah. So before they had um a thing called the Sinclair system. So you would get points via the Sinclair system. And then what they ended up doing for the last Olympic qualifiers, they had a new system called the Roby system. Um, And that also only lasted now for the four years or five years. One cycle, right? Yeah, one cycle. (laughs) Now they've changed it again because one of the things that I also brought up in one of the meetings was, um, you know, people saw loopholes and they went for it. And yes, all, you know, good and well, they got their athletes in, they competed, there were athletes in there that, wouldn't even come anywhere in their own continent, things like that. But they ended up qualifying because, you know, um, yeah, because of seeing the loopholes. So, for example, like James was saying, you know, like you could be a 59-kilogram lifter and then just go cut back to the 55, lift bare minimum, maybe you could win that category, get your points, and obviously you'll get a lot more points than what you would have gotten in the 59s and take those points um, over. To your whichever weight class <laughs> you you want to compete
0: in yeah well the worst part so, yeah, wasn't, wasn't even really it wasn't even really lo- it was loopholes but it was the fact that even partway through halfway through like the first quarter when that started not even iwf officials knew the rules yes. no one knew what the rules were and everyone was asking everyone can you do this can you do that and no one knew and there was already yeah. collecting points like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you sort this out mm. before you've released the olympic qualification system uh, it's crazy. Yeah.
2: And that and that's why we are now in a position where there's 50% less athletes that can qualify for this Olympics than all the other previous Olympics. Mm. So 50% less so for 2024. Um, so it's going to be even harder for athletes to qualify. And then also 2028, 20, that's still something to be discussed. They don't know yet if weightlifting will be in or not. Um, so I guess... Mm weightlifting needs to, like I said, they need to clean up the act and hopefully with, you know, what they are doing now, um, weightlifting will end up staying in the Olympics because you would want that for all future and young athletes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you think, just a, a little bit different topic, with raw powerlifting really trying to push like the IPF are really trying to push to get in the olympics do you think that's realistic that they could ever get in, just from your guys perspective or nah
0: don't they have to all unify under one um federation the, first they're
1: trying to they're trying to do it as the ipf so the one uh, okay it's the same um like it'll be all the same rules that that guy who just broke the world record that we spoke about a couple of weeks yeah.
0: ago
1: so they've got the they've got standardized rules for that division Mm. but they've brought in a lot of things um in the hopes of getting recognized so like you're not allowed to be seen sniffing ammonia like there's all these little rules like that yeah that they that they want with the hope that the olympic committee will recognize them as like a you know a sport worthy to be on the olympic stage but at the same time like i've heard this talk since we were at uni um (laughs) like the rumblings of it. I was just curious with what you guys know about the Olympic Committee and whatnot.
2: Well, Colm, to- if possible, no. well, well, if you think about it, okay, how things have changed. Like for example, when I did karate, way back in the day, um, they had talks and this was like, oh my gosh, I was like seven or eight when I started karate. And I mean, I'm now like in my thirties. And back then they spoke about karate going into the Olympics. And then, truth of yeah last Olympics uh 2020 or 2021 it was in the Olympics but it was only one time so they made like a, a debut and then they said it will only be featured once and I mean they've put things like oh, surfing really? so it's not back. there was wall climbing I know there was breakdancing. so they've put really weird sports into the Olympics so <laughs> honestly if they had to put power break
0: yes Olympics break dancing
2: So if you think about it, (laughs) if
0: they
2: have have those kind of sports, I have no doubt that, you know, powerlifting is probably, you know, one of the ones that they might even put in. But the only thing is what I would think is, um, powerlifting is a very hard sport to watch um, because it's so long, because, you know, even though they've got just the three lifts, but it can go like a whole day. And when it comes to the Olympics, one of the things the Olympic committee wants is they want viewers. So they want TV viewership. So, for example, if it's going to be a whole day, how much TV viewership would they get? So I'm sure that is one of the main things that they'll look at. Um, So they can do all of the things, you know, to try clean it up and do all of those things. But at the end of the day, they need to bring spectators to the Olympics. And if they do that, then I yeah. can mm-hmm. see powerlifting being in it. But if they don't bring spectators, because that's just one of the, again, one of the things that always gets brought up. Um, and that's why with weightlifting, they want to even increase the the viewership of weightlifting, the spectators making it more spectator friendly, all of these kind of things. Um, yeah. And already weightlifting is such a fast sport. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I would be interested, like, yeah, it would be interesting to see if they do put it in and i think it's just one of those things that we will probably have to wait i mean i think 2028 mm. sports have already been released or it might be released very yeah. soon so i guess i think they would, have been. yeah so i guess we'll see soon otherwise maybe for you know 2032 might be <laughs>
1: <laughs> in theory if your sport had the funding and could afford it could you is it possible just to pay your way in
2: for the Olympics? I don't
0: think so.
1: Yeah. Um, Not as an athlete, but let's say... Yeah, as a
2: federation. <laughs> as a federation, like, yeah. 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 To be honest, calm. that's one of those things where, like, maybe a person doesn't want to go into detail about things, but, like, there's often ways, you know, like if you had some sort of a partnership with these people and things like that... Um, you know, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors, and that's also a way. It sounds like you know.
0: Right. It sounds no, like you know what goes on behind closed doors. No,
2: <laughs> I'll just. Oh <I'll>, no! <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then she mutes the mic straight away. The guilty Yeah, I know,
2: right? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that you know yeah, things happen. Well, is, it's, a federa- hey, it's a federation at the end of the day. Yes. Um. So I'm yeah,
0: there's corruption. One hundred percent. IOC is that there's
2: not, but yeah,
0: yeah. The IOC is corrupt as hell. Like all, like all these big sporting organizations. There's no doubt, allegedly. So I don't get sued. But <laughs> yeah, I
2: also put allegedly yeah, for all of my comments I made.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Powerlifting's a pretty niche sport. I don't know if powerlifting's more niche than weightlifting, but weightlifting's got the history with the different countries and stuff like that. So
1: yeah. Um, And I, I do think weightlifting is a lot more visually, um, like for, for a casual viewer who doesn't know anything, it's very, like you put the weight over your head, you get a lift. Whereas like powerlifting, you see someone like squat and then you'll see these lights and it's like, oh, to me, he looked deep, but he didn't get it or vice versa. Uh, And like the bench call and stuff, there's those little, um, whereas yeah, weightlifting the. Like I know you've got the press out and whatnot, but compared to the amount of times in powerlifting, you see depth or you know dodgy lockout.
0: Um, Someone with a bench massive stuff, bench arch.
1: Yeah, I, oh, that's that's. Um,
2: yeah, that's a new rule, that, that
1: right? A, yeah, and I the um, I think the reasoning might have been for that for the viewership for potentially the Olympics,
0: mm. um, but I don't know to be honest. Do you want to explain the explain the rule for the listeners? Occasional. So it's,
1: uh, I think the new rule is that you have to, uh, I, I don't even know the exact specific. I think it's to do with the depth, right? So of your elbow on the bench. So ah. the elbow, I think, it has to go below. So from the side, if I stand like this, at the bottom of, imagine am bench pressing, elbow has to go below the bottom of the shoulder. I think that's what it is. And if someone did a huge as arch, before in theory you could like say
0: yeah you just do like up, a half rep
1: went up to here you're not really going through the biggest range of motion with your arm yeah um that's the general like if you could probably google it if you want to know the exact um i don't think they even put out like an anatomical um spot that you had to go lower they just kind of said below the shoulder something like that which um i know people are upset about because it's again a, a bit of a gray area
0: yeah and um,
1: as an athlete, you definitely don't want grey areas eh? when you're talking judges, it just yeah. feels horrible, um, for the athletes. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's an interesting one if it gets in. Um, but yeah, I think visually weightlifting is just a lot clearer and there's no squat rack. Like that's another thing squats in the way of certain viewers and whatnot. Weightlifting, it just, it looks cool. But then, yeah, again, I
2: think it depends also, like you said, I think it really just depends on the spectators at the end of the day, because even if you look at, so for example, we come from strength backgrounds, but if we are to look at marathon athletes, you know, may it be long distance running or long distance swimming or something like that. Um, for me, that's not a very exciting sport to watch. So I will skip through <laughs> it. Um, but then again, if I had to see probably powerlifting, because I know there's some really strong people there, I would want to watch it. Um, I might not want to sit the whole day and watch it, but I know how James likes to put golf on the whole day. Maybe some people will put the powerlifting <laughs> on and just, you know, have the TV on at the back. And, <laughs> but I mean, that again, for me, that would be more exciting than those other types of sports. Yeah. Where again- but most, most people I... can
0: relate to them, to the marathon. Because That's if what you think about
2: how many people can actually watch that and understand it. Um, <laughs> and I guess they just have a better, like, amount of viewers than maybe what powerlifting would have. And I think even weightlifting at this stage, yeah. to be honest.
1: I do think <laughs> a lot of – I get frustrated. Like, I'm very much – if I'm into something, I'm like a – what's the word a rabid fan uh, like i'm really into it and i get frustrated because i feel like a lot of the things i'm into always cater or always go after the casual viewer which i think is what the olympics want as well right they just want the, mm. they want everyone at home just the casuals to tune in what are some examples he of... does it okay yeah um, yeah strongman does it which i'll talk about next with world's this man <laughs> um but yeah there's like I feel like a lot of the times they go after the casual viewer instead. Um, which I should, I just talk about World Strongest Man. Yeah, go, go. So World Strongest Man is coming up next week. Uh, it starts on the 19th.
0: Oh, they still don't live stream it, right?
1: They don't live stream it. So that's what I was gonna say. It is a perfect (laughs) example of them going after the casual viewer. So World Strongest Man, like there was a list. It's broadcast in so many different countries, right? And it is in the UK over Christmas time. And it's, it's very much targeted at the casual viewer. So for me, right, I, I love strong man. I like seeing the technique and everything. If I watch it, I can't watch it here on TV. I have to find a YouTube link. Hopefully someone uploads it, <laughs> um, they will show highlights, right? So let's say, so these are the events this year for the qualifiers loading race, deadlift. I assume it's, a, it's deadlift machine, um, which is what it says on their site. It'll be deadlift for reps, kind of like a Smith machine type thing. Um, log lift ladder, Conan's wheel, kettlebell toss, and stone off. So those are the qualifiers, which will be over two days. So six events over two days. But so I want to see, right? So log lift ladder, let's use that as an example um it'll be five different logs at varying weights and two guys will run at the same time this is how it normally is i'm not actually sure how it'll be this mm. year but normally two guys will go in two different lanes and they'll lift progressively heavier logs so i personally want to see every single athlete do it and i want to see the full body shot so i can see their technique and see everything that's yeah and then this is a professional like thing for tv they will zoom up on the guy's face so you oh, see him yeah. like you see the struggle and I'm like, dude, what is this? I haven't seen any, like I haven't seen anything of what I actually want to see, as a fan that's actually into yeah. But I absolutely understand for someone flicking the channels, they suddenly see Tom Stoltman like with his head going red, grinding up. That's like, <laughs> probably going to keep them, you know, locked yeah. in. And so that's kind of what I mean. And like the UFC does this sort of thing as well with ignoring rankings and you know putting on certain <laughs> fights. That yeah. They, you know, so. Um, so I, yeah, as I feel like kind of what, um, with the powerlifting thing, as they try to, so there was another rule with, um, Blaine Sumner, he used to put chalk on his face like this yeah, and and he like used to get really hyped up. You had the ammonia in both nostrils and sniff it. Um, (laughs) although that's not technical, I find it entertaining, right? It's part of his (laughs) mental preparation and psych up to go lift. They brought on a rule. He's not allowed to do that because what? they feel like that will, um, yeah, for whatever reason, their particular view of the casual viewer is it'll put them off, um, which yeah, yeah it's <laughs> frustrating as a fan that's into it, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, so we got World's Strongest Man will not be live streamed, always comes up, the reason they don't live stream it is because they sell it as a TV package. They make millions of dollars or whatever, selling it as a TV package to all these different countries. So I think it, I'm not sure if it varies year to year, but let's say they make maybe eight episodes out of it. They'll sell that eight episodes as a TV package to all these different networks. Um, personally, so the argument I've heard against this is CrossFit, CrossFit does a live stream for the CrossFit games, but they also put a TV package together. Why doesn't World Strongest Man do this? I'm not sure. Um,
0: same with the rogue invitational,
1: uh, did they, 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 did that
0: as well, did they? Well, they live stream everything. I don't think they sell it to TV, but yeah, they live stream all their strongman events. Yeah. We watched yeah. them.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah. They, they yeah, live so stream
0: another, that. Yeah. That's, that's another
1: example. So I think world's strongest man, um, I feel like it's just run by, uh, you know, a little bit more old school people. I don't know. That, that's just speculation. Um, Another aspect, just building on what I was talking about. So, um, just to quickly go over it, those are the six events I listed earlier. We're back to 30 athletes this year, which is fantastic. Um, and then that will go down to 10 athletes for the finals, which is another eight events. I won't bother listing them all out, um, but that starts next week on Wednesday. So, next time when we speak, um, it will have already started. And nice. Um, Shout out to Matthew Ragg, we've got New Zealand's strongest man that's competing this year, and it'll be his first year over there. I think he's actually got a great shot at making the finals, so hopefully he can make that work. Um, But about the casual viewer, right? So this, how Strongman works, it's how you do overall. So you could do really well in one event. If you come last in the others, you're gonna drop a lot of points. So you wanna, like, you're better off to say come second in every event, um, so, the better you do overall, the better you're going to score, right? Now, this is what came in the last time I was at World Strongest Man. 2017, they brought this rule in. So, there's six events in the qualifiers, right? Now, the final event is called Last Man Standing Stones. And so, up until this point, there's uh, six competitors in the group, and you've got... So the first five events, you've got a certain amount of points and then it goes into last man standing stones and basically the points only, um, have the order and how it would work. Let's say you and I are going James. Um, if you've got more points than me, it's one on one, me versus you, because you've got more points. You get to, oh, I have to start. So I load the stone over the bar to you and then you load it back to me. Whoever can't continue. Uh yeah this is like physical 100. what's that yeah it's like physical 100. (laughs) Uh, they did a a similar thing but it's obviously like those ones took like some of them hours
0: this is not
1: that long it's really heavy um but it means you could have a guy and we've seen it happen have like a 10-point lead so by all intents and purposes should absolutely be going to the finals and then someone's just fantastic at stones for reps and beats them on the stone stone off and then he's through to the finals wait Um, is it a a knockout yeah so what's the point what's the point in points because it is this is what they told us when I was there in 2017 it's more exciting for the casual viewer (laughs) there you go (laughs) caters to the casual viewer it is like I'll give them
0: that but But why do points that that... Honestly sucks. Wait, so do they use the points to to rank like uh, the one on ones then?
1: Yeah, so let's say um, let's say <laughs> me, you, and Mona. Mona was had more points. I had the least, and you had the middle. Me and you would yeah. start off. I have to go first, so it means I have to do one more rep than you would. Yeah. Before, um like before failure. But if yep. I'm really good at stones for reps, it doesn't matter. I can like do another rep. Yeah. And then let's say I fail. Right. Let's say I load it over seven. You do it over seven. Um. But I started one, so I can't get it over th- for the eight. Yeah. And out immediately. Mona comes in, and then you and Mona keep going. So you've already done seven. So I'm
0: already at disadvantage?
1: Yep. So the, the it does give you <laughs> points, give you an advantage like that. And then oh, okay. later in the order except it doesn't like again this let's say i'm just insane at stone for reps and you guys are average Mm -hmm. in theory like if tom stoltman was in last place in stone for reps in theory he could probably just beat you know uh,
0: you just go for for it
1: (laughs) and so the reason this was brought in right is because how it was just being points over all you would get to the sixth event the final event for the like TV show before the finals and say, Brian Shaw's ahead, 10 points, he doesn't it? Even do the stones. He just yeah. doesn't, he might lose the first one. So they felt like for the viewer at home, they were like, oh, excited to see Brian. Shaw," And he just doesn't even, you know, he just does one stone. Um, which is pretty funny because, I, I did forget to mention the person. So the person who's in first in the group, he goes through to the finals, no matter what, yeah the the guy in second um who has that so there's only one other spot the guy who wins goes in first so let's say brian shaw wins the event he goes through automatically now so he's not in the stone final anyway so Uh, yeah it's a really weird decision um but man it's frustrating and the thing is it has it flows on to, over to the amateur level as well. And to other professional comps, cause everyone wants to be like word strongest man, mm. um, but yeah, just a perfect example of trying to cater to the casual viewer over the actual fans of the sport. Now is it always
0: stones? Is that tiebreaker always stones for reps? Yep.
1: Yeah, it's been every year right. since 2017. Okay. So you better so be down with stones. Yeah. Pretty much. So everyone trains them super hard now. Because um, the other thing, let's say we've got, um, I don't know, Farmer's Walk before we do stones. And um, I know even if I win Farmer's Walk, you guys are far ahead in points. So that I'm not, it's not going to change the order of the stone off. So I'll just be like, nah, I'm not even going to do Farmer's Walk then. I'll just save my energy for the stones. So it's created, although they've tried to solve one thing, it's created like all these other <laughs> little issues and um, yeah ultimately though just like for strongman where it's meant to be each event is equal you've suddenly put stones which i love stones but you've suddenly made them worth so much more yeah um, before last man standing they had actually tried to implement double points for stones to get around that but they found the same thing like brian would be ahead so far anyway um but yeah so i do understand financially like I know with the UFC, it's something like the casual fan makes up something like 70% of the revenue, whereas like the other 30%, you know, are the actual people who do MMA or Jiu-Jitsu or mm. and actually into it. So I, I absolutely understand. I bet it might even be more so with strong men. Like let's say they sell it to 100 different countries. Like how many of those, like what percentage of the people who watch World Strongest Man at Christmas are actual fans? I like, yeah, I that's probably yeah very minuscule so i understand why they do it but um as like an avid fan of the sport it can be frustrating
0: yeah that's that's crazy and if anyone's looking for an atlas stone guide coles were a legit atlas stone uh, article on with big big there as well you can take a look at mona do you have something to say
2: yeah i was gonna say um you know often like with the viewers and stuff it's those other people that's got like the most money um And it's Mm -hmm. the same thing, you know, I guess with like CrossFit and things like that. You know, CrossFit has like really pushed weightlifting's numbers up, you know, over the last how many years. And the thing is like now people are starting to charge for weightlifting classes a lot more um, because they know a lot of CrossFit athletes are coming over to learn the sport. So weightlifting coaches now actually get compensated a lot more, which is really good because these are really experts in the field. Um, But if you look, for example, like, like the average Joe doing CrossFit, um, they probably have a lot more money than like a full-time athlete, for instance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's the that's the paradox that I find was like, because although I don't like it, if it's promoting the sport, it, indirectly it's going to help get me more income. So it's like... Although I don't like it, should I bash it too much when that's what's bringing in casual viewers? Yeah, so, so it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Some of the casuals will become avid fans, but yeah, it's just a small percentage. Yeah.
0: Is there anyone else you're keeping an eye on at, at World Strongest Man that you think might, uh, have a good run?
1: Um, so <laughs> the New Zealand guy, Matthew Rag, I do think is pretty underrated in terms of how good he is, but the. The thing is, he hasn't, this is, oh, he has competed in America before. But yeah, it'll be his first World Strongest Man. Um, So I think that's going to be a bit of a hard one. But I do think he's going to be, like, he's got the potential to do some pretty big upsets. And it's really good events for him in the the qualifiers. That's actually something I forgot to mention. A, A big change that they've made, which I am all for, is now, so there's, um there's normally five five different groups of athletes consisting of six athletes each so 30 total athletes they all do the qualifiers and then that gets down to 10. how it's always been um and like how it was when i did it each qualifying group does different events like there's normally two mm. different sets of events which i again as an athlete is <laughs> so frustrating that. I could have um, like, let's say I had deadlift and you had squat and then we both made it into the finals. Not that I made the finals, but it's suddenly like we've done different, like how can you decide who's the strongest when we've done different events? So this year, every single person has the same events and they've released it quite far in advance, which I absolutely like, Um, I'm glad they did that. I think that's a fantastic change. They haven't announced the groups yet. So who's in each group, which I also think is fine. So as an athlete, I would much rather know the events because for me and like, not just me, everyone else who did it, you'd, they would send you a list of all the events you might get. And it's like 20 different events. So you're like, man, I got to train everything just in case. <laughs> like events. Yeah. Well, you kind of had to like, um, you know, you could double up on certain things, but you kind of had to be ready for anything whereas now they've told everyone these six events and they've known for like three months or whatever um so even from an injury perspective like there's normally so many injuries but now they actually know what they've got to train for it's a lot nicer um, mm-hmm. they haven't yet announced who is in each group so this is what i would uh, aside from last man standing stone this is something else i would love to see change in the future But each group, right, has its own scorecard. So let's say me and you, James, were just insane deadlifters. And we had that, let's say it's 360 for reps. And me and you are the best in the world at it. And we're both in the same group. Um, I get 11 reps, you get 12, you win. And then Mona also has deadlift. But she's in a group where everyone's best deadlift is like 360 for two reps. Mona does three reps, beats her, that. So she gets maximum points in her group. We all go through to the finals, but you're absolutely smashed because you've done 12 reps in the qualifiers. Mona's done three. And there's only one day of rest between the qualifiers and the finals. So again, that's a huge difference, man. That's a huge difference in work. Why do they have
0: to group it though?
1: Uh, TV. So they, Uh, again, (laughs) it's like they sell, they do each episode as one group. Um, so like yeah. it's an hour-long episode of this one group the six athletes and the next episode is the next group um which is why as well they traditionally had different events because they want each each episode to have different events to keep the viewers entertained so oh, i think I this a, is
2: a tv question Yeah, um yep. like i know you mentioned um it being you know with the tv rights and stuff like that and like with the viewers and things because i also know back you know way back then i used to when I was a lot younger, I used to watch a World's Strongest Man like all the time on ESPN. Is there a specific yep. TV channel now that they can watch it in? Um, because uh, it's on they...
1: different, it's different networks for different countries. Yeah. So like here in New Zealand, it's ESPN. Um, I think in Australia, it might be like Sky Sports. It's like different for each region you're in. And they do also package each one a little bit different for the region so they tend to try to get um like say in america they'll probably emphasize all the americans a lot more and then in the uk version they'll emphasize all the uk athletes a lot more but there's not just one channel anymore um but yeah it's ultimately that all these decisions are made for tv so the the different fairness like i was saying with the like In terms of volume, one athlete might have done like almost twice as much in terms of volume than someone else. Um, Unfortunately, this can bring up um, suggestions of corruption because if you're organizing the groups, suddenly you've got like a lot of power. Let's say I want James to win and I know he's got a horrible deadlift, but I want him to win. I'm going to somehow put him in a group with other you know, bad deadlifters or just how it was in the past. I just wouldn't even give him a deadlift. So there's been, there's been allegations of that. Um, not sure personally, from my experience of being there, I do think it's more likely, it's just the TV, (laughs) like they do have their favorites. They want to win. Um, but I think ultimately it's, they always will do whatever will bring in the most viewers. That's, I think that's their bottom line. And unfortunately it, it, it trickles down as an athlete over there. You'll feel, I've heard it's gotten a little bit better, but it's very much like say you'll warm up and if they're not ready they'll tell you to warm up and then suddenly if you know the lighting is not right they'll say sorry you're going to have to wait and then they'll fix the cameras they'll change the lighting and then you might have to warm up again maybe you don't want to warm up you just want to you know go for it so there's there's a lot of that different aspect
2: so there's no like in weightlifting where there's a specific time that you have your walk on there's a specific time when you start your lifting do they not have that Oh my gosh. No,
1: they, they have a rough (laughs) guide, Like they have a run sheet, but it's run as a TV show. So like the other TV work I've done, it does, it's the same way, but for some, the it's totally like, it's crazy. In that, like I did this ad right where I held this thing a ham and they did the same like (laughs) run sheet, but I'd hold this like three kg thing a (laughs) ham. And then at Worlds, they do the same run sheet. You might have to stop instead of holding this ham, you're, like, you're holding hundred and eighty kg stone that's going to rip your biceps off. So it's uh, yeah, it's very much for TV. But you have got to remember the even though it's seen as a sport, it is entertainment first. So it started more as an entertainment thing. It's kind of a it's not fully WWE, but it is more on that side. I wouldn't <laughs> it's say. Close whereas to weightlifting. It. Weightlifting other than, you know, the alleged corruption and whatnot is very much a, a sport first, right? Whereas strongman mm. is sports entertainment. It's crossing that boundary a little bit.
0: Yeah. Whereabouts is it being held this year? They actually Mitchell got it in beach, like a, oh yeah. So it's in, it's in the States then, uh, Metal beach, South Carolina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm nice with
1: geography. How far is that from you guys?
0: uh what was it like a few uh few hours flight leaf i can't remember now maybe yeah. like four or five hour flight
2: yeah i have no i yeah. have no idea i think james's directions is better than mine so yeah, <laughs> yeah. when it comes to geographics and things like that yeah you'll be you'll <laughs> be better but is to it, be able to
0: it hasn't been held in america for a while right because are you holding some random as countries it's, so it's been in america the last couple of years okay um so they
1: they do contracts where so when i went it was in botswana and they had like a contract yeah. with the botswana tourism board so they held it in botswana again so i went to botswana
0: twice mm, interesting i
1: heard or i read online that they had a three year a three-year deal with the states i'm not sure where it'll go after that and i do mm. that tends to impact it like again i'm hoping it's getting better but let's say next year it's like in ghana or somewhere like you know very different they might scrap the idea of the events they're going to have to like the logistics of it all affects things quite a lot um because again they're trying to get visually appealing events over yeah um, you know overseas and stuff so all that stuff makes a big impact which the fans don't really see a lot of um but it definitely impacts it and like I said it, it does look pretty good for the casual viewer um you know to see mm-hmm. at Christmas time some gigantic man pulling a train or whatever um, yeah but yeah there's a lot that goes into organizing that train and then um, hopefully testing it and whatnot
0: yeah but well, it's crazy because like if you think about the rogue invitational they drama stuff they built crazy stuff for that like yeah they I mean w- willstros make it literally follow the same model and they could they could hold it I mean you can't tell me there aren't countries willing to host host it and they have to go to places like Ghana and stuff where they can't maybe do a lot of that stuff because they have to they have to ship all that stuff over right
1: (laughs) yeah um I do think Rogue has pushed them to improve it quite a bit like this Mm. how they've got everyone doing the same events this year is a pretty big change in my opinion um and for how far in advance they've put out the events i think that's like it's a pretty big change like i didn't know what i was doing to the day before so and i (laughs) personally i think that's because of rogue because they i know they still get a lot of pressure because of rogue about the live stream but um i don't know we'll see and i've heard so when i was there like it was botswana so the locals i don't think were into strongman at all but they're now they're trying to like they're putting different packages together for the spectators which in the past they honestly didn't care about spectators at all they would um let's say there were 20 people watching because there wouldn't be normally that many they'll get them they'll shift them all to be behind the camera and they that's kind of it they don't really care like as long as it looks (laughs) good on tv that's that's the number one um but remembering it is world's strongest man is a tv show so it, it mm. does make
0: sense yeah no that's crazy and that's probably a good place to end this podcast but before we go com has a new program within the lift big big underground you can go in there and you can use that it's a six-week farmer's handle program so it's basically a farmer's walk specialization for your upper back and traps. six weeks all you need is a pair of farmer's handles and plates and you can go to town and get massive and strong so that's in there it was just published today also if you join the lispic Big underground you have access to every other program so you have all of mona's weightlifting cycles Tom Strowman cycles you have all of the hallmark Lift big big programs in there like pump dragon flags method the mule Bare Bones. all of those are in there as well within the big training app and there's more being added each month plus you get access to a mona's online course her so weightlifting mastery and you can actually join us live on this show in the audience to ask us members only q a uh after each live show when it's not on the live stream anymore so and plus you're in private discord community as well so there's lots there it's only um 37 dollars a month currently so you get access to everything for that much so it's a bargain but we will end this podcast or show here And we will see you next week. We're trying to find the day that suits, that's going to be the same every week and the time that's same every week. So we'll get there. But in the meantime, if you listen to this on the podcast or on the YouTube, please like, subscribe, share it, comment, anything you can do to help with your engagement to get this to grow. But we will see you next week.